It does not. We have, before I forget, we have one more announcement. I just remembered. Uh, our our uh, teen uh, or kids program for Christmas is on the 18th, Sunday morning. And there are three practices for our kids. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll just say that I am thankful for our teens uh, who, who put it upon themselves. Who, who they had a desire uh, to put on a Christmas program specifically. Uh, and uh, they are running the whole show. Um, they have, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for, for them and all the work they're putting into it. So uh, I know there are some older people. Uh, Brother James isn't in here. He's got a part in it. And there's a few other folks that have parts in it. Uh, but uh, if you're part of that, uh, there are three more rehearsals. And this afternoon between services is one of them. So if you're able to be here for that, uh, that would be great. Uh, if you have lines, memorize your lines. If you're learning songs, make sure you, you, you memorize the songs. And at least to the best of your ability. None of us are perfect, uh, but uh, let's do our best to, to, to serve the Lord and, and to be a blessing uh, to our Lord and Savior on that Christmas or for that Christmas program. Um, Isaiah chapter 9 this morning, Isaiah chapter 9. It, as I get older, time flies by. <laughs> the, the older I get, and I'm not saying I'm old, I'm just not as young as I used to be. Uh, uh, but I have found, and I don't know if it's just my perspective, but time goes by so quickly. And as part of, the, of a, a result of that is, man, the year has flown by, and it's Christmas time already. And that just, it amazes me. Now, Christmas is one of my favorite holidays. I can't say it's my favorite. My favorite is Resurrection Day or Easter Sunday, uh, because without the resurrection, Paul says we, we would have no hope. We would be of all men most miserable, but, be, but he is risen, and uh, we do have hope. And so I'm thankful for that, and I praise the Lord for that. But, but uh, if Christ hadn't come, he wouldn't have died. So I also like, I also like Christmas, and, and there will be people that will tell you that Christmas is, uh, was really stolen from, from other religions and the winter solstice and all that stuff. I don't care what they did back then or why they didn't back then. I celebrate Christmas because Christ came. And so over the next several, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, the names of Christ. Look with me, if you would, at verse 6 and 7 of Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read this as our text this morning. Actually, if you would, stand with me, and uh, uh, we'll read verses 6 and 7 together. And uh, we're going to seek the Lord in prayer, and then, and then we'll sit and, and see what God will have for us. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. You can read it with me if you could. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Thank you. Let, let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that we have your word, that you would perform it. Lord, I'm thankful that you kept your word. God, you are so faithful to us. God, your word also tells us that your word will, will not come back void. So God, I pray that it, today your word and your spirit will accomplish all that you would this morning. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross, Lord, and that Christ would be lifted up. God, I pray that you would, Lord, help us to see our great Savior this morning. God, I pray that he'd be glorified. God, I ask that you would work in a great, mighty way. 
Lord, if there's one here today that they've never trusted in Christ, they've never seen him for who he is, that today they'd be full of wonder. They'd see his great mercy and grace and love and the sacrifice that he gave to us. And God, that today they might come to, to him for salvation. And God, I pray that for those of us that are saved, Lord, that we have seen his, his great sacrifice. Lord, we've experienced his love and mercy. God, remind us of the wonder that we felt that first day, the day that we accepted him, but the day that we saw. And Lord, may you be strengthened. Lord, may, you, may your name be lifted up. May you be exalted. And may your will be done in all uh, that we do this morning. In Christ we pray. Amen. You can be seated. As we look at this prophecy, verses 1 through 7, we won't read it all for sake of for, for the context, but uh, you can, I, I encourage you, we will be looking at it throughout the, the next several weeks, but, uh, and, and we'll, we'll look at some of it this morning. But uh, as we read verses 1 through 7, it, it's, he's uh, referring to the, the day when Christ comes, uh, the, the second coming of Christ. Now, the first advent is the one we, that we're, we're about to celebrate. The first advent was uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the coming of Christ to be born in this earth uh, so that he could die. The second advent is when Christ comes and, 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 and then judges the earth and, and that uh, he brings his people with him and, and we will all one day worship him. And he's, he's talking about the people of Israel and then going through all that they're going to go through uh, uh, in those last days and, and, and how there's going to come a point in time uh, that, they, that they're looking for a ray of sunshine. Have you ever been in a dark place? I have. Uh, uh, ever been in a place where uh, you, you, you just you, you didn't know uh, what you were doing or wh- wh- where to turn or how things were going to go, but, but there was a ray of light, a, a beacon, uh, per se, uh, on the hill somewhere that, that kind of guided you, that directed you, that, that gave you hope. Well, here in the, these verses, uh, uh, Isaiah, God is giving uh, them the, the hope to the people of Israel because there was going to come a point in time when they go through a, the, those last days. And if you read about the last days in the book of Revelations and in the book of Matthew, as Jesus speaks, it is not going to be a good time or an easy time, especially for the people of Israel. It's going to be a very difficult time, but he's giving them a ray of hope. And we see that ray of hope given to them in verse 6. He says, for unto you is born, uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, he ref- he's referring to the, 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 the coming of, of, of Jesus Christ. Now in this we see the, the coming of Christ, a child born, a, 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 a son given, and that was speaking of Christ. And he, he did come as a child born. He was a son given, but one day he's going to come as king. One day he's going to rule and reign forever and ever and ever. And man, what a day that will be when, 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 when we can all look to him and we look to him as, our, as, as the Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, the Bible tells us. But in this verse, uh, he has uh, he given several names that he shall be called. And I want you to notice uh, those names. And we're going to look at these one at a time. Uh, th- today we're going to look at the first name, Wonderful. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. It's not saying that his name is wonderful. We're just saying his name is wonderful. And you can refer that as to the name of Jesus is wonderful. And yes, the name of Jesus is wonderful. But what it's saying is he shall be called 
wonderful. What does it mean when we think of the word wonderful? Because the, the truth is, uh, the, the language that uh, many times has been used, we have abused. We have taken things that, that once meant something else, and we've downgraded it to a much more common thing. Uh, I think of the word awesome. Uh, uh, the word awesome, uh, our God is an awesome God. But I've said, hey, I've got an awesome, you've got an awesome shirt on today. I'm sorry, there's a difference. Uh, uh, we downplay what it means. Uh, uh, the word awesome means awe-inspiring. I'm sorry, I don't care how nice your shirt is, I'm not inspired by it. Uh, I am not brought to awe by it. I don't care where you bought it from or how much you paid for it. I may be awestruck by how much you paid for it, but I'm not going to be inspired by it. Uh, dumbfounded, maybe. This word wonderful, what does it mean? Well, the definition of wonderful is inspiring delight. Pleasure or, admi or admiration, extremely good or marvelous, being made full of wonder. The word wonder means this, a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration, caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. There is something that you can't fully understand or you can't fully grasp and it causes you to just be in awe. It causes you to, to, to just stand there and admire. It causes you to be... I don't even know what to say. Now, there have been times when I've seen sunrises that have been beautiful. There have been times when, when I've been out in nature and I've seen the stars. Uh, years ago, I got to see the northern lights for the first time. I'm from Ohio. You do not see the northern lights in Ohio. I moved to Maine, and I honestly have not since that one time seen the northern lights in Maine, though I know it can happen. But I was, I was struck by just how gorgeous and how beautiful it was that I could see the, the, the shimmering greens and blues uh, in the sky uh, that were caused by uh, a miraculous effect. Listen, caused by God, by the way. Uh, when I look at the stars, there, there are times when I get away from town and get out in the middle of the, where it's dark and you can't see it and you just look at it and be like, wow, gorgeous, it's beautiful. I don't understand all those things. Uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the psalmist says there, there, there are some things that are beyond him, the, the way of a man with a maid. Uh, and he goes through a number of things. Things that, that are inexplicable, things that, are, that we, we cannot fully grasp. And, and while science does its very best to try to explain it, there is, there is no way that science can ever fully explain all the laws. They may be able to, to describe the laws of physics, but they cannot tell you where they came from. I can. Because you can't look at a building and think, well, it just happened. Somebody put it together. Somebody, some architect drew, the, drew it out. Some, some carpenter came along and cut the boards and sawed down the timber. Uh, some, some, some mason came along and laid the, laid the foundation. Somebody did it. It didn't just happen by itself. But I, I'm here to tell you, God in his, in his creation, God in his power did not look at this wor world and, and, and bring somebody along to do this and somebody along to do that. No, he did it all himself, and he did it in a spoken word. Let there be light. I don't fully understand it, but it causes me to wonder. It brings me to a point of, of just, uh, while I can't explain all that he did, when I, can't, when I can't even fully grasp all the knowledge and all the wisdom and all the power and all that God is, the truth is, it should bring us to wonder. 
And what, what Isaiah is saying in this passage, there is going to be a time when, the, the, when Jesus is called, uh, his name shall be called Wonderful. One who brings wonder. Causes us to be full of wonder. As we look at this one name, my hope this morning is to bring about three things. I've got three points. That we will wonder at what he was in the past. That we will wonder at what he is in the present. And that we will wonder what he is in the future. First of all, I want to bring to your consideration his eternal existence. Because we think of a baby born in a manger. Listen, we've all held babies or seen babies. In fact, we were all once babies. <laughs> well, some of us were. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We were all babies. Uh, we, 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 we were all held by our mother's birth uh, uh, through the, 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 the work of God, yes, and, and, and as he knit us together in the womb. But we were all once children. But listen, Jesus was not like we are. He was, he was not just a creation. Uh, he would, did not come, come to existence in the womb of Mary. He existed before Mary ever existed. And the Bible says that the Lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth in the book of Revelations. Before the world was, Jesus was. Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning God. It doesn't mean God became in the beginning. He was in the beginning. He was before the beginning. From everlasting past to everlasting future. That is our God. John chapter 1, verse 14. Turn there with me if you would. John chapter 1, verse 14. You may recognize this verse. John says this. We'll, we'll read verse 1 first, and then we'll jump to verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was begotten of God. Listen, you were begotten of your mothers and father. So I, 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 as I go back and I read uh, the genealogies throughout the Bible, and so-and-so beget, so-and-so beget, so-and-so beget, so -and -so, those can be some very dry passages of Scripture. Now, there, there, there's truth in all of it, and, and you can find some amazing... Uh, do Read it. Study it. Look into it. There, there's nothing in there that's just there to fill space. Nothing in the Word of God is there just to take up page space. God put it there for a reason. But you read that, and this one begot this one, and this one begot this one. Listen, there was only one who was ever begotten of God. Jesus. God moved. God the Father, God the Spirit moved in the womb of Mary. Now that is not the beginning of Christ's existence. Christ's existence before. Remember in, in, in John chapter 1, he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus always was, but the Spirit of God moved in the womb of Mary. Did you not? And Christ's human form was born. He was begotten of God, it was not. A, he was not begotten of John. He was or, or John Joseph and, and Mary. He was begotten of God. God moved. God brought him to existence. But but he always existed. His eternal existence did not start there. There is a false doctrine out there that that, that Jesus that did not exist before his birth here on this earth. I'm telling you that he did. 
The Bible, in fact, tells us in the book of Colossians that he created all things. For, all things were created by him, and all things were created for him. And without him, not, not anything was created that was, that was made. Listen, he always existed. None of us could say the same thing. He was begotten of God. He was co-equal with God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 says that uh, uh, he, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You know why? He wasn't taking anything from God's deity because he was deity. In fact, he set aside, uh, uh, he set aside his glory. He set aside uh, that, that to come to this earth. He, he humbled himself and became like a man and a servant and, and humbled himself even to the death on the cross. He should have been born in, in, in a golden, uh, jewel-ladled manger, not some wooden stall full of hay surrounded by animals. He should have been raised in a palace being waited on hand and foot, but instead he humbled himself. He was sinless. He was righteous. He should have been followed from the moment he was a child. Instead, he was ridiculed, he was rejected, and he died for you and I. His eternal existence, he was begotten of God, he was co-equal with God, he was pre-existent. Look at Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Second Timothy chapter... 1, verse 9. Verse 9 says this, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. His eternal existence. There is nothing else that, that is eternal. That is an attribute of God. This world had a beginning. You had a beginning. Everything on this earth, everything that we know had a beginning besides God. He always existed. Wrap your head around that. Wrap your head around that. You can't. It should cause you to wonder. It should cause you to meditate upon the greatness of God. Listen, we, we worship God because he deserves to be worshipped, not because he forces us to. We love him because he first loved us. But listen, I, I, I don't want to worship something that, that is not worthy of being worshipped. God was pre-existence. When I was a child, five, six years old, we used to go visit my great-grandmother who lived up the road. Now, she died when she was 99 years old. She, uh, she was born shortly after uh, the Civil War. And I used to love to sit there and hear her talk of, of the stories. Uh, in, and I, I would sit there in just an amazement because stuff that I you could read about or see, my grandmother lived through it, the Great Depression and all the... So, listen, that, that was a part of her life, a part of her story. I was in wonder. And any child that would sit and, 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 and look at uh, an, an older person, an aged person, who, uh, who, who tells them about all these things, all this gained knowledge and all this gained experience, may sit there in wonder. But that limit, that, that experience, that knowledge, those, that's limited. My grandmother had a house 
We lived in it for a little while with her. It was filled with antiques. It was a very old house. It still stands today. If those walls could talk, they've seen a lot of time, a lot of people. But if you go even deeper into that, you would see uh, the house was made of trees cut down, and those trees lasted and lived for years and years, sometimes centuries. There are trees. Uh, when I was in Jerusalem uh, years ago, back in 2000, or sorry, 1990, I think year 2000, I went to Jerusalem uh, with my pastor, and uh, we saw a, a, a tree that was purported to be uh, 2,000 years old. It was, uh, in the, it, was, it was in the garden, and they, they said it was there when Christ was there. I don't know if it was or not, but think of the stories that tree could tell. It, it causes me to wonder, it, it, just to, to imagine and think, to, to understand how old and, and how much that, that tree has, uh, has, has, has seen go around it. Now, I know it's a, a tree and not a person, but even farther, the, the, the dirt that tree is in is really old. But that dirt came from rocks. And those rocks have been here since God created this world. The seas have been here since God created this world. And beyond that, the angels. You, you stop and think about just how long something has been here. Listen, we think of our country as a, as a powerful country. Our country is not that old. But our world is, but comparatively, Jesus had no beginning and has no ending. He is. The Bible says he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is, we should wonder at who he was. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created, and that are in heaven, and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Everything that we can see here on this earth, everything that we, can, that we know of the spiritual realm which is around us. Listen, you and I cannot see angels. You and I cannot see demons. But listen, there is a spiritual realm outside of us that we are unable to see that God created and Christ created. And we may wonder at those things that we don't understand. And wonder at the, the beauty of the, the sunset. And wonder at the, 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 the amazing uh, work of the, the Grand Canyon and, and the oceans and all the things that are in them. And all, all the things that we can see but can't fully understand. It may cause us to wonder. But instead of wondering that, why do not we not wonder at the one who created it all? His name is Wonderful. We should wonder... At his earthly manifestation, 1 Timothy 3.16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit and seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles and believed on in the world, received up into glory. Listen, we cannot fully understand uh, the, the, the work uh, that, that Christ was as he was manifest in the flesh. Uh, we, we, we believe it because the Bible teaches it, but you and I cannot fully grasp what, what Christ was. Holy man and holy God. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I do believe it because the Bible teaches it. But it should cause us to wonder how God could do such a thing. He became flesh. Manifest means made known, made seen. Again, in John chapter 1, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. 
cause us to wonder. It should cause us to wonder. We should wonder at that manifestation and just the beautiful work that Christ did. I don't know how God did it. I, I don't, but I believe he did because the Bible teaches us that he did. My mind, our minds cannot com- comprehend it because our minds are finite. Our knowledge and understanding is limited uh, to what God reveals to us through his word. Not only are we to be wondering or full of wonder at his preexistence, at, at his manifestation, but also in his nature. Think about the nature of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we, we know man. I know me. <laughs> and man, woe is me. <laughs> I, I am not what I should be. I, I never have been. I was born in sin. Uh, uh, I, uh, even now, I am bound by this flesh, and, and I struggle as a child of God. I still struggle with this flesh and, and, and giving into this flesh. There's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Uh, the flesh, uh, and, and they are at war with one another. And I, I look at Christ and I wonder how he could be sinless, even though he was tempted, just like you and I. But it's because of his deity, it's because of who he was. But I wonder at his nature. I wonder at his compassion. Listen, as a paramedic, uh, uh, when I was a paramedic and firefighter, uh, we we were to have compassion uh, for for others. We're all to have compassion for others. But as a paramedic, as a firefighter, I can tell you this. I lost my compassion somewhere along the way. And seeing the hearts of men and how how people treat each other and and how they abuse the system, uh, I began to, to lose my compassion on people. In fact, I had to get to a point where I asked God to give me back my tears because I lost my tears. The things that I should be compassionate about, I wasn't. But every time, listen, Jesus saw the ruthlessness of man. Jesus saw all the, all the, the sin and the wickedness in the heart of man. But even all that, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. His mercy, His grace, His love is beyond my understanding. I can't fully grasp it, but I know it's true because I've received it. It should cause me to wonder. Wonder in his, at His ministry. Jesus came to this earth and served for, lived for 30 years before His earthly ministry truly started. For three and a half years, He, he ministered to people healing the, the sick, casting out demons, teaching the truth and the, the, of the kingdom to come. And I look at the, the works that he did, and we, we teach those things. The feeding of the 5,000 astounds me. How, 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 a man, how someone could pray and break bread and feed 5,000 people out of two loaves and five fish. I, I wish I had that kind of ability. <laughs> how, how he could walk up to somebody and touch them and they'd be healed. Or somebody could just walk up to him and touch the hem of his garment and their issue of blood that they've been dealing with for 12 years and the doctors couldn't fix was suddenly gone. Listen, his ministry was amazing and should astound us. should cause us to wonder at the work of God. He is wonderful. But truly his ministry wasn't about the healing or the teaching or the things that he did here in this earth but he did in his death. And that should cause us to wonder. Because the truth is, when somebody does something to us, what is our, our, our normal response? We all have a trigger. For me, if somebody spits at me, that is my trigger. I, 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 it's happened a few times. 
I've had some patience do it. I do not take kindly. Please do not spit, spit at me. <laughs> and I will do my best to let the Spirit of God control, but that flesh doesn't like it. And I want to reach out and grab them by the throat so they can't spit anymore. Because when your air doesn't come out through here, it's really hard to spit. I had a, I won't say the name of the, or the company I was working for, and it wasn't me, thank the Lord. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling on somebody else. Uh, but uh, we, there was a person that was, uh, had been, uh, they were, we were dealing with a patient, and uh, uh, we were struggling. It was a big, it was a, it was a, it was a big fella, and uh, uh, so we were trying to hold him down, and he was kind of out of his head on drugs, and, and uh, there was a guy that I worked with that was a, uh, uh, a Navy SEAL previously. And uh, he opens up the door, and I was glad to see him. Now, he wasn't a big guy, but we needed some extra hands. And he opened the door, and he goes, hey, you guys need some help? I'm like, yeah. And he, he stepped up into the back of the ambulance, and that guy that we were holding both, I had one arm and the other guy had one arm, he reared back with his foot and kicked that guy right in the face. Knocked him clean out. He didn't touch the, the ambulance. He hit the ground like th three or four feet away. I'd never seen somebody get up and fly so fast, and he put him in a chokehold really quick, and then the guy went to sleep. Now, should never have happened, but that was his physical response for being attacked. What did Christ go through? What did Christ go through? He was mocked. He was rejected. He was spitting upon. He was blindfolded and had beaten his beard, ripped from his face, scourged, nailed to a cross. And all the while innocent. And at any point in time, he could have wiped them all out with a single word. He could have come off that cross. But he stayed. And it causes me to wonder how God could love a sinner like me. But he died. Take that rejection. Even greater wonder is what the death, what it did. Because his death wasn't just a death. He took our judgment. Isaiah 53 says that God saw the, saw the anguish of his soul. His wrath was satisfied. It should have been me. Should have been me. It wasn't just mine. It should have been us. But he died for you and I. Oh, God, yes, in the flesh, but God, just the same, would humble himself to death. I don't understand it. The Bible teaches it, and I believe it. But I don't understand it. Other than to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We, 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 we talk about it so much, it becomes flippant in our vocabulary, and we don't stop to think of, of, of what Christ did for us on the cross. We don't stop to think of what that means for us today. Listen, it becomes so ordinary to us, especially as children of God that have been saved. It should never become ordinary. The preaching of the cross, the gospel, the, the story of Christ, Christ's death for our sins, his burial, his resurrection, that should inspire us and encourage us every single day, but it becomes old hat. It should cause us to wonder. And greater than his death, 
We should wonder at his resurrection. The Bible says that that God would not see his holy one to suffer corruption. That body lay in the grave for three days, and no, he wasn't just taking a nap. No, he wasn't just fatigued and weary. No, the the disciples didn't take the body uh, like the Jews, the Pharisees and the Jews were told. No, uh, he rose from the grave on that third day. I don't understand it. But he was the one who held the keys to death and hell. And he unlocked that door. And he stepped out of the grave. Listen, the angel didn't roll back the stone so that he could come out. The angel rolled back the stone so we could see in. He was not there anymore. But it should cause us to wonder at the greatness and the power of our God. We should wonder at the magnitude. Listen. And I look at the things in this world and some things just amaze me. But their ability to amaze me is limited. The more I learn of something, the less I wonder at it. First time I saw a a, a patient that was diabetic in a diabetic coma was given an injection of an IV bolus of D50, it's dextrose 50%, it's just much sugar and water, but first time I saw that, I was in wonder. If you've never seen it before, uh, you take somebody who is cold, sweaty, and almost looks like they're almost dead. They're barely breathing. Uh, they're pale as, all, uh, as as can be, and completely unresponsive. You push that dextrose, that D50, uh, in, into the IV, and within seconds, they're awake and they're talking to you. It's amazing stuff. First time I saw it, I was I was doing clinical time. I was trying to take a blood pressure while the medics did everything else, and uh, and. He, was, he woke up while I was doing it. He was like, what are you doing to me? I'm like, I thought you were almost dead. I was in wonder. But then as I began to study, as I went through school, I didn't wonder anymore. I understood what was going on. It lost its wonder. Do you know that the more I read the Word, the more I study about Christ, I, I never come to a point where I don't wonder anymore. There is a magnitude of wonder that I have that I will never come to a point where I just like, you know what, I don't, I don't need to wonder anymore. I've got it. No, I will never have it. I can spend my life studying Christ, and I will never have it. And it only causes me to hunger to know Him more and to know Him better and to read His Word and to bury it into my heart. Because the magnitude of His wonder is beyond understanding. The infinitude of his wonder. The inclusiveness of his wonder. Uh, What do I mean by that? Uh, uh, Anybody who would stop and truly think their eyes are open. Listen, the Bible says that, uh, that, that, that those which are carnal cannot understand spiritual things. But when spiritual eyes are opened, uh, uh, there is a, a wonder that is created in the heart and the mind. Uh, the, listen, the preaching of the cross to the world is foolishness. But to us that believe, it is, the, it is power. It is salvation. Amen? But it's inclusive for anybody because the Bible says whosoever. <laughs> I thank the Lord for that. He invites all to come to him. All to come. Uh, all you that, that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But uh, it, it, It's inclusive. So we look at what he was, and it should cause us to wonder, but we should also be wondering at what he is in the present 
There was a time when I didn't wonder about Christ. I grew up in church. I thought I knew everything. I've said this before. I was in church from uh, my very first Sunday I was alive. My parents took me to church every single Sunday other than a couple times I pretended I was sick or was sick, uh, depending on the the situation. But I was in church all the time, and and not just on Sundays, but on Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Monday through Friday because I went to a Christian school. Uh, uh, Wednesday Wednesday nights, we had I was in church all the time, Moana Club, whatever. I was always in church. And I was taught. I had knowledge. I could quote scriptures. But there was a day. I was 15 years old. And the Spirit of God began to press upon me that I was that the gospel was not just the gospel, but it was for me. The gospel means good news. There was a day when I understood I was uh, that conviction was bearing upon my heart, where I understood I was a sinner, that I was going to stand before God, and I was going to be judged for my sinfulness. And man, I I was scared. And if you've ever been to the point, uh, uh, the Bible says says that uh, that that. Uh, uh, the godly sorrow bringeth forth repentance. I was sorrowful for my sin because I knew I was going to stand before God and be judged for it. And I don't understand why God loved me so much. I don't understand why He did what He did. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ died for my sin and suddenly my eyes were open to the truth of the Gospel. It wasn't just uh, information that I had heard or verses that I had memorized, but it spoke directly to my heart. And as I I fell on my knees before God, I, I couldn't help but wonder why He would save a wretch like me. And the light of the glorious gospel shined into my heart. I was cleansed by the powerful blood of the Lamb. I've been washed it forever. I will stand redeemed because of Jesus Christ. And I don't understand, but I will always wonder. I will always wonder at His work in my life, at His work of salvation. And listen, if you're saved here today, there was a point in time when you yourself understood that you were going to die because of your sin and stand before God and be judged. But you saw the cross. And you cried out to the Lord and Jesus saved you. See, His work in men is amazing. His work in mankind is amazing. It should cause us to wonder. His work of salvation, his work of cleansing. I don't understand. Uh, I wonder at how God can take my sin and, imp- and, and impute it upon, upon Jesus Christ and how God can take the righteousness of Jesus Christ and impute it upon us, but that's exactly what happened. I stand now clean. Not clean to my standards. Not clean to men's standards clean in the eyes of God. There's, there's no sin in my past that God couldn't get the stain out of. <laughs> there's no sin, there's no action, there's no thought that, that God cannot wipe from my, from, my, from my table. Why? Because it has been covered. You see, if you're wearing a white shirt, I was looking, I got a new suit. I had to buy some new clothes because 
I didn't have any suits that fit anymore, so I, I went out on Black Friday. That's actually Cyber Monday, but I, I, I got a new suit that fit. Whew. I like it. But I didn't buy a shirt. <laughs> I just got a suit. And so I'm pulling out shirts last night trying to find one that would, 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 would fit, and I don't have any white shirts that actually fit anymore. They're all too big, but, but I, I did the best to tuck it in and, and behind the back so it doesn't look so bad. But as I was pulling them out, my collars are not white because they're old or shirts this one will do <laughs> this one's better than the other one no you ever, ever ever come to church thinking you're wearing a white shirt this has happened to me several times and then you stand next to somebody who has a brand new white shirt on and you realize your shirt ain't so white anymore we look at ourselves the world looks at themselves and say hey i'm okay i'm a good person no we're not to judge ourselves with one another. We judge ourselves according to the law, according to the holiness of God. And the Bible says we all fall short, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when we're washed and when we're cleansed, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There ain't a spot, there ain't a stain, uh, there's not a mark, there's not a scratch, there is nothing on our account. We stand before God redeemed and righteous because we stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And if that doesn't cause you to wonder as a child of God, I don't, know, I don't know what will. Because when you see God for who He is, it will always show you for who you are. Isaiah chapter 6. What did Isaiah say when he saw God in His glory and His holiness? Woe is me, for I am undone. What did Peter say in the bottom of that boat when he saw Jesus as, as, as who, for who he was? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O oh Lord. Listen, I'm telling you today, if you've never seen yourself for who you are, then you've never seen God for who he is. It will cause you to wonder. His work of cleansing. His work of purging. John chapter 15 talks about the vine and the branch. The vines are to bear fruit, but sometimes the vine's not bearing enough fruit and the husbandman purgeth it. He means cutting away the, the dead works, the, the things that aren't any good, to, to, so that the branch can then bear forth more fruit. I'm thankful that God's work of sanctification and God's work of purging is not done in my life, but it is continually working. When I look at me, I think, man, if this is the best that God can do, then, he, then we're, we've got a problem. But this is not the best that he can do. I am a continual work of Jesus Christ. Uh, and Paul says in Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is continually sanctifying me and cleansing me and transforming me by the word of God to make me like Jesus Christ. He is not done yet. Praise the Lord. It is not me just turning over a new leaf or me deciding I want to act different or be different. No, it's God changing me from the inside out. That is a work that you and I may not fully understand. Man, I am so thankful for it. And it causes me to wonder. His work of intercession. The Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. We see that in the book of Hebrews. He is now interceding on our behalf. Praise God when Satan, the accuser of the brethren, comes before the Lord and says, hey, look at him. Jesus says, he's under the blood. Aren't you glad Jesus prays for you? Listen, I, th I appreciate it when you all pray for me, and, I'm, and I pray for you, but there ain't nobody who can get a hold of the ear of the Father like the Son. He ever lived to make intercession. It should cause us to wonder 
to meditate, to think, to, to be full of, of amazement and admiration for who he is and what he does in his work of reviving. Now, the, the Bible says, uh, Paul said this, uh, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, it's Christ that lives in us. Yes, the Spirit of God dwells in us, but it's the Spirit of God that dwells in us. And I'm so thankful that it works in us and it dwells in us, but there are times when we need reviving too. But that's a work of the Spirit of God. It's work of Christ in us. It's not that I just see that I need it. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do better now. No. It's submission to the Word of God. It's a movement of the Spirit. We should wonder at His work in the present. Lastly, we wonder at, his, at what He is in the future. 1 John 3, 2 says this, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. We shall see him as he is, Romans 14, 11, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Uh, Philippians 2, 9-11, through 11, uh, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, and giveth him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God. Uh, go back there to Isaiah chapter 9 if you're not still there. I want you to notice a few, a few verses here. Now, verse 1 says, Nevertheless, the, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. They're seeing that light. They're seeing a hope. Thou hast multiplied the nations, uh, the nation, and not increased the joy. They joy before they, before the according to the joy of, in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, and, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. I want you to think through those last days, oh, and what's going to take place. The Bible says that the world is going to rise up against Jesus Christ. He is going to come back, and they're going to rise up, and there's going to be a final battle. And they're going to rise up and try to overtake and try to overthrow one whom they had previously rejected and one whom they are rejecting again. They're going to, uh, Psalms 2 describes it, uh, and the Bible says that he is going to laugh at them. Because the truth is, we think of Jesus as the, the world thinks of Jesus as a baby in a manger or a, some hippie with long hair and a really mild and gentle spirit. And while Jesus was the most meek man who ever walked this earth and the most gentle man that ever walked this earth, and why he came to seek and to save that which was lost, there is going to come a day when he comes to judge this world. And the world will rise up against them. And instead of them being able to fight against him, they are going to very quickly lose a battle. The Bible describes in the book of Revelation what he's going to look like when he comes back. Riding upon his white horse with, 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 with fire coming from his... Listen, I want you to understand if there's something that, to be afraid of. And the world's going to look and they're going to be filled with wonder. Who is this? What is this? What is happening? And the Bible talks about the, the blood running as high as the horse's bridle. 
that with a single word of his mouth, they'll all be slain. See, there will, there will be different kinds of wonder. If you remember what the definition of wonder is, it says, it says uh, uh, the word wonder says a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, and inexplicable. They are not going to be able to explain. They're not going to be able to understand what they're seeing, but they will be filled with wonder and fear. Those who rejected him will wonder. The Bible says he was rejected of men. I think back to Judas, who walked with Jesus for three and a half years, who, who heard him speak and saw him perform the miracles. In fact, performed miracles himself, sent out as one of the disciples. And, and, but ultimately, in the end, he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Kissed him on the cheek and turned him over to the, to the, to the, to the, to the authorities uh, so that he could be... Uh, charged and, and, and killed. Ultimately, he went out and killed himself. But there will be a day when he stands before God and he sees Jesus not as a teacher, not as the man that he followed, but he'll see Jesus as he really is. And he'll say, who is this man? If I had, if I had seen who he was, I never would have done what I did. He'll be filled with wonder. Pilate, who questioned him and could find no fault in him, but yet still condemned him to die, but washed his hands to get the blood off. One day he'll stand before God. I said, if only I knew. He wasn't just a man, even an innocent man, a, a political pawn. No, if, I, if only I knew. He'll wonder. In fact, everybody who's ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and rejected it will wonder. And they'll fall on their knees. And the Bible says, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But the problem is, for those that reject him now, there is no going back. Yes, they'll bow then, but they'll bow before judgment. Those who rejected him will wonder. Those who rise against him will wonder when they see the, the, the fury and the wrath of God come upon this earth. And listen, the Bible says a, a fervent heat, a, a fire. Listen, it, it's not going to be pleasant. It's, it's, they read through the book of Revelations. The, 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 the judgment to come upon this earth is going to be a terrible one. And it will cause the world to wonder. But if you read through all the way to the end of the book of Revelations, there is a, a time the Bible says that around the throne, that his people, those who love God, those who follow him, those who have trusted in Christ, his people, the Bible says we'll see him as he is. We're not going to see him how we've been taught that he is. We're not going to see him how we interpret it to be. To be. We're going to see Jesus as he is. Now, the Bible doesn't lie about who Jesus is. But not everybody sees it. We will see him as he is. And you know what the Bible says we'll do? We're going to sing, Worthy is the Lamb. We're going to praise him for who he is. We sang today, Save, save, 
I'm saved by the blood of the crucified. We will sing it with a greater fervor than we have ever sung it before. We'll sing, holy, holy, holy. Because we'll truly understand what holiness is. Not our warped, limited view. We'll see Jesus Christ for who he is, and we will wonder. Wonder at how a great God, a great, a, a great merciful good God could look at us and love us and, and save us and give us an opportunity to sit in heavenly places with him. And one day we'll see his glorious riches of his kindness, according to Ephesians chapter 2. What a day that will be. It'll cause us to wonder. This morning, maybe you're here today and says, I've never truly wondered. I've never seen Christ for who he is. Uh, uh, if you've never seen Christ for who he is, then you've never trusted in Christ. And we don't fully understand, but if we've never seen Christ as our Savior, if God's never opened up our minds and our hearts to the, to the, the truth of the gospel, the Bible says Satan will blind us. The gospel hid, it's hid to them that are lost. That the, that the God of this world is blinding the eyes. So that, because if peradventure they might see the light of the gospel, they'll believe. If you're here this morning, you've not seen him, but today you're seeing him for the first time. The Spirit of God is convicting your heart. Today is the day of salvation. I, I invite you to come to him. Listen, he said to himself, Come unto me, all you at labor, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Listen, come to him. Try, don't try to do it on your own, you can't. Our salvation is of Christ and Christ alone. When he said, it is finished, it truly was. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me there is no other way to heaven. There is no other way unto eternal life other than through Jesus Christ. And listen, that will cause us to wonder. But while you wonder, come to him. Seek him. Because he said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't fully understand how he gives us new life. Jesus said to, 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 to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. I don't fully understand how that works. Other than the Spirit of God does something in us and gives us new life, spiritual life that we, that we do not have. If you have never experienced that, then you've not experienced salvation. You may have prayed a prayer. You may have come to church. You may even have joined a church. You may have done your best to be a good person. That doesn't save you. The wonder of Christ is the wonder of salvation. And it is only through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and say, I, I'm saved, but Christ has become common. Christ should never be common. May we learn to wonder at our glorious God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice it said, He shall be called wonderful. He is wonderful. No doubt about it. But it's referencing how we see Him. We shall call Him wonderful. Because He causes wonder in our hearts and lives. Does He cause wonder in your heart this morning? When you came in to sing the songs, 
Were you singing it just because there were the songs that were picked and that's what we're singing? Or did it cause you to wonder? When you sang, saved, saved, were you truly thinking about your salvation, what God did for you, or was it just... There have been times that it's hard to sing. Get it? Times we just don't feel like singing. But there is never a time when God does not deserve our praise. And we don't praise God because we feel like it. We praise God despite of how we feel. I'll be honest, I'm tired. I wanted to stay in bed this morning. I did not want to get up. Came in here dragging myself having a conversation with Brother Frank in my office, and I was just tired. Praise God, because this morning, I was reminded, we used to pray in my office every Sunday. And I'm talking about how tired I am, Brother Frank's talking about how tired he is, and, and it's just like, I wonder how tired Jesus was. carrying that cross for me. I said, Brother Frank, let's pray. Cause us to wonder. We can lose our wonder. May God help us. May God remind us of just how wonderful he is. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you this day. God, I ask that your hand be upon us this morning. God, I pray that Christ is glorified. Or that you're will be done in each and every one of our hearts. Lord, you know our needs. Lord, some of us are just tired. Others are weary and well-doing. Others are struggling with our flesh. Others with trials. Lord, there are some here that may be here that are lost. God, I pray that you'd work in all of our hearts. Lord, help us open up our eyes the glorious truths of our Savior. God, may you have your way. Lord, may your word do its work in your spirit. Lord, may we yield to you. And God, give you all the glory. If there's one here today that doesn't know he's your Savior, God, I pray that today is that day. And for the rest of us, Lord, remind us of the wonder that is in you. Yes, it's in Christ's name. Amen. Let's bow nice clothes for a minute. You hear this morning and say, Pastor, I'll be honest, I'm not saved. I don't know that I'm saved. I've, maybe I've prayed a prayer. I 